0: Welcome to Weartechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect.
1: And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome back to this week's show. We got some great stuff coming up for you. We're going to be going down to Las Vegas and talking gaming and not word games, but actual casino gaming. This is an annual show that our reporter Chaz does that brings the new technology to what's coming to the casinos. And every year, there's been a lot of cool new stuff. This year does not disappoint. He's got a couple on-the-floor interviews that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be looking at some of the technology that drives all of this, which is a definitely a good portion of it. Our second segment this week, we're going to be talking hydrogen fuel. And this is kind of a cool topic. We've talked about this on the show before, but there's some exciting developments in this coming up. So that's going to be out there. Bill Gretchen, welcome to this week's show.
0: Hello. Hello there. Hello.
1: So, Gretchen, I'm going to just tease this a little bit. I don't know if we're doing it this week or next. I'll have to look at the schedule. But I know you're going to be summing up Ahsoka for us here in a little bit. Just yeah, real quick.
0: Made what did you think? Did you like it or hate it? Oh, I liked it.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. So, at least everybody knows, too. If you liked it, then stay tuned. If not, well, maybe skip that part of the show. Anyway. <laughs> no, but seriously, I know you've got some observations and some comments. So, we've had some questions come in about that, too. So, I'm looking forward to that. When we get to it, and uh, if you don't hear it today, it's going to be next week. And again, I'm going to have to look that up, but it's coming up and something that we're excited to have. So that will be really cool. All right. And with no further ado, let's
2: go to the news. Today's news is brought to you by Larry Morris with Mortgage Solutions Financial. If you own a home and have more credit card debt than you are comfortable with, contact us today for your no-cost debt consolidation review, 971-229-2215. That's 971-229-2215.
0: So what's in the news? The chatbots are talking to each other.
1: All right, try saying that three times fast. I guess they can do each other, huh? (laughs) So in a a story that's not in any way scary, uh, the chatbots are actually starting AIs and all this stuff to be able to communicate with each other. And uh, this is kind of an interesting set of circumstances when you think about it. Because what's going on here now is communication, not just between the humans and the AIs, but between the AIs and each other. So on that front, it's going to be very interesting to see where this comes down to. Now, a lot of positives are going along with this. Some of the things that uh, you can see, um, surgery for brain tumors. This is really being developed with this type of a technology. One of the other things that's kind of related to this, too, looking at Meta, is they have expanded their cast of AI characters. So you can actually interact with characters. These include AI representations of real life celebrities, Snoop Dogg, uh, ex quarterback Tom Brady, as a for example, Harris Hilton, novelist Jane Austen, and others. Uh, In all of these cases, these are licensed. So it's not, they're not doing anything they're not supposed to. But it is one thing to look at and talk about a little bit because when you see these type of things, there are some other points of it. Actor Tom Hanks, for example, Uh, Told us 9.5 million Instagram followers last week, there's a video out there promoting some dental plan with an AI version of me. I have nothing to do with it. So this is where this kind of thing can get scary. But again, it's continuing to develop and we're continuing to follow it.
2: Kroger has an intrusive plan to stop theft. Yeah, speaking of AI,
1: so Kroger in our various markets is Fred Meyer Smith's. Um, quality foods, food centers, feud centers, there we go, food centers <laughs> and <laughs> a number of other brands. And like a lot of retailers, they're having a problem with shrink or theft. And a big part of this is happening at the do-it-yourself checkout registers. And what they want to do and what they are doing is bringing in AI to assist with this. So if you look, there's going to be two cameras. There's going to be a camera on the unit, on the register like there normally is, and there's going to be one overhead. And what that's doing is watching to make sure you scan everything. And if you don't, it tattles on you. So the idea being here is to stop that from happening. And a store employee could come over and examine your bags if the AI decides that you did something you're not supposed to. And this is uh, this is how this works. Now, they're trying to make this not as intrusive initially by alerting the customer when an item has not been scanned and then only calling store personnel if a second one is not scanned. So. You know, again, this whole self-checkout thing, and I I don't know, I mean, I use it, I think a lot of people do, but at the same token, because there isn't a person there, it does increase the ability to be able to steal So they're trying to tackle it this way. What do you think about an AI watching you check out?
2: I just wonder how it knows what the heck is an item and what's not. I mean, I know a lot of people who leave their purses in their cards.
1: True, true. And I know they've tried this with weight. Or if you put a bag on the thing and now that up here, at least in Oregon, they don't give bags anymore. So you bring your own. And there's times I'll have stuff in the bag already. I'll have picked up a prescription or there's just something there. So that throws the whole thing out of balance. So, yeah, Bill, it's going to be interesting to see how accurate this is.
2: Yeah, ours are so sensitive here that I swear you breathe at them. They say it's wrong.
0: Yep. Yeah, I run into that too. What happens if you have someone who's handicapped and may not move the same way other people do?
1: Well, again, this is how well the AI is going to work, you know, and, and and I don't know how well this is going to work yet because it's just being tried out. There isn't a lot of research available on that, but mm-hmm. that's a very good question to see where this goes. Now, my feeling would be is if you have someone that has, say, mobility difficulty, that type of thing, and would have difficulty using the self-check registers in most jurisdictions, it's required that the store maintain at least one full service register. And that's would maybe be a little bit easier under those circumstances, but we'll keep an eye on this. And, Ask any questions you may have about it, because I know this topic is something that does rub some people the wrong way.
0: New wave energy devices to suck clean kilowatts from the seven seas.
1: Yeah, so Columbia Power, or C Power as it's called now, I guess we're all shortening our names to letters, is putting together this system that they're testing out for using wave energy To create electricity. Now the science behind this is nothing new and there is wave generation, but what they've come up with is a prototype of a better way to do it where you can get more power from smaller things. You don't have anything sticking out over the top of the water. And the other big thing is this takes into consideration marine life so that it doesn't block the, um, or, or suck in fish and other things, which has been a big problem with some of these generators. So it'll be interesting to see where this ends up going. And they're looking at doing the site and an 80-kilometer undersea cable to bring it into the local grid up here in Oregon. And uh, we'll see. Maybe the power will stay on better than it has been recently.
2: Toys R Us is reopening stores. Yeah.
1: So, again, this is not exactly latest news because they started doing this a couple of years ago. But what they have announced now is they're actually going to be reopening a lot of stores. They're doing planning 24 flagship stores across the country, uh, which are going to be in many ways different from what we remember Toys R Us being. It's going to be more of an interactive environment. I know at one time this was something they had talked about doing, but never quite got there. The other thing that they're doing is bringing them into airports and places like that, cruise ships and so on, to be able to provide toys in those type of environments. The first airport shop is going to be opening next month in Terminal A of Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So if you fly through there, Let us know what you think of it if you see this. I'd I'd be curious to find out what these actually are going to be.
0: User-friendly 2.0 rejoins the Seattle market in November.
1: Much more important topic on expanding things, in my (laughs) opinion. (laughs) Actually, we're back in Seattle starting in November on weekends. I believe our air date is going to be Sunday, but we'll post that on our website when I know for sure. It's on KKOL, the answer, Seattle. I'm sure there's a connection.
2: NASA spacecraft gets extremely close to volcanic world, snaps footage.
1: Boy, are we getting a lot of cool pictures from space lately, aren't we? Yep. With with the new telescope and some of these other things and the whole bit with them bringing back actual parts of that asteroid. And now we've got the moon. This is, uh, I believe this is Io. And um, it's the most volcanically active world in our solar system, at least that we know about. The probe's name is Juno. And it has been doing a number of journeys. In fact, this is its 55th journey around Jupiter. And it's getting in closer and closer to be able to take pictures. And in fact, they've even gotten it into about three times closer than most weather satellites here in the United States. So it just gives you an idea of what we're able to get. And it's very cool to kind of see what's coming back from this, because what you see is a world that definitely is uh, very uh, there's volcanoes Mustafa? all over the place yeah there you go i want to make that comparison thank you miss star wars
0: uh, <laughs> okay i could say moosefulheim and go yeah, to Moose, North, Moose, uh, mythology. Norse mythology yeah that works yeah. too uh, so yes
1: uh, in any of those cases i don't think i want to have a picnic there in any event um if i want to go see a volcano maybe i'll go to hawaii and i'm not sure i want to do that up close and personal either so but anyway the uh basically what they have is an environment where due to gravity and some other things, the environment there is stretched and squeezed and so on, and it creates the volcanic activity. So pictures on NASA's website, Mashable has a story on this too. There are some really cool images. If you're into this type of thing, it's definitely something worth taking a look at.
0: October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Oh, we're having a little cyber attack there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just thought it was Bill's turn and I was not paying attention.
1: <laughs> understood. Understood. Uh no, but in all seriousness, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And being that we're halfway through the month, it seemed like it was a good time to talk about that a little bit. And we've obviously discussed cybersecurity, big topic on the show and many other places, big deal. In fact, in November, we're going to be having our uh guest back, uh, Joan Woodward from travelers to talk more about cybersecurity and some of the things you can do. But this is definitely something that we all have to think about because as time goes by, this is getting worse, not better. More and more break-ins and all that kind of thing, information being stolen across the board. And it is something that is here to stay. We're going to have to deal with it. And unfortunately, it is a problem that doesn't seem to have a direct solution yet. There are things you can do to mitigate it and that type of thing. And being aware of what's going on is one of them. And one of the big things right now that's coming out is that with AI, the emails you get that are spam, that are trying to get your financial information that used to be able to be detected in some ways, by language being wrong and that type of a thing are getting a lot better. So you do have to be a lot more vigilant. We'll be talking about this in a few weeks.
3: Bill, we're here again in the sports and entertainment capital of the world want to welcome the user-friendly 2.0 listeners and uh, to take a little ride with us uh, for G2E Las Vegas, Nevada at the Venetian Hotel and Casino. We are here on the convention floor. It just opened at 10 a.m. Yesterday was badge pickup and some keynote speakers. Uh, today we're traversing the floor looking at what's here, what's not, and it is really it's kind of not a lot of people like I expected. Usually it's standing room only. I'm surprised. Maybe it's early. They haven't had their coffee. But, anyways, it is going to be booming about lunchtime. Uh, here at the Global Gaming Expo, we have hundreds of exhibitors for different types of products, gaming, um, you know, payment systems, POS, and just a few of the companies that i'm looking at here Axis, innovative technology apex and in fact our first interview of the day is going to be with mark larson ceo of dynamic gaming solutions he's going to tell us a little bit about his company and uh... we're going to traverse the floor a little bit more after that we're going to see what we can come up with but for the most part it looks promising and we will get back to you bill
1: all right well this should be exciting let's go on to our first interview
3: yes bill we're back on the floor of g2e 2023 and our first interview is with mark larson ceo of dynamic gaming solutions and he's going to tell us a little bit of his about his product and his company and uh to Mark.
4: thank you for having me uh Dynamic Gaming is a distribution company. We uh, have offices throughout the U.S. in uh, Oklahoma, California, North Dakota, Minnesota, uh, Spokane, Washington, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Our main focus is trying to give good quality service to clients that aren't just in metro areas. That's kind of our specialty. Uh, We work in with most companies in game. you know we our goal is to be a company that if a casino needs chairs we have a chair supplier if it needs carpet we have a carpet supplier if it needs uh slot machines we work with over 24 companies and have, represent their slot machines our tech service we do the installs we handle all the maintenance uh, if a company needs electronic table games, for instance, Spintech is we are the exclusive distributor for Spintech in the United States. Um, just just an industry we love and you know our our goal is to we open these offices in local markets so that we get the relationships with people, you know, which I think is something that's been lost uh, a little bit in gaming is Corporations get bigger and bigger and kind of consolidate down to major metropolises and fly their sales teams from there. We're kind of going the other way, you know. I, I think that you know, all of those states I mentioned, we have offices, we have showrooms. Our people live there. You know, they go to our kids play t-ball with the the kids in the you know from that market, and, and they're our clients' kids. So. You know, we're trying to take a little different approach to it, but uh, you know, really happy with uh, how things have been going so far and having a lot, of,
3: uh, a lot of new opportunities come up. That's great. That's a great customer service approach. I got a trick question for you. Maybe, are you familiar with the Silver Star Casino? No, I'm not. Where is Silverstone? Philadelphia and Mississippi. Okay, no, I've not been to that
4: one yet. I, uh, yeah, I lived in Biloxi when I was younger, okay. but, but I think that was before I could get into casinos, so That's yeah.
3: Right, cool. cool. I, do you have a story with them? or? Uh, we'll okay. get into it on the interview, but yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Pearl River Resorts. Okay, okay. I uh, heard uh, they of Pearl River. just opened the Golden Moon a few years back, and now they got a water park, believe it. Okay, but, wow. But, yeah, uh, where do you see your company going in the future? You know, I, I think that we, we, we have
4: planned uh, three more office expansions in 2024. I think there will probably be another two rounds of years like that. Uh, you know, we're potentially looking at our first deal in Europe, uh, uh, potentially in the UK, for an office uh, opening here next year. So, you know, I see a lot of growth. I, I really have seen, the response to what we're doing has been just great. You know, the clients have just said, hey, you know, because my guys, since they live in the market, rain, we're like the mail. You know, rain, snow, sleet, whatever it is, my guys are gonna be there. You're gonna see our, our salespeople every month. I don't care if you have five thousand games in your floor or if you have two hundred. You're gonna see my guys once a month. You know, you're gonna see our team. You know, and due to the fact that we don't make we don't make any products, service is what we're the best at. That is our focus. You know, our goal is to always have you know, down games get up faster than anyone else. Uh, you know, a little testimony to our service team and how good a job they do, you know, we have a footprint of, you know, a significant footprint and we went into the weekend, last weekend, with three games down total, which was a .00 type number of games down, which is pretty unheard of in this industry. So, you know, we take a lot of pride in what we do and, you know, service is kind of our thing. Great, would you like to give a website? Sir, you can go to uh, www.dynamicgamingsolutions.com. Uh, it'll show you a lot of the products we have. It'll show you kind of some of our expansion plans. I'll uh, show you where our offices are now. Uh, and, you know, we, we look forward to hopefully one day working with everybody in the industry. Awesome, well, I really appreciate your
3: time today, Mark. Absolutely. And I hope you have a great G2E. Thanks, sir, and we'll appreciate see it. you next year. Yes, sir, thank you. Thank you,
1: all right. Well, it's amazing how much technology is really used in everything. And you know even in something like this where you're looking at different things where it's just uh, amazing to see what different people are coming up with if Larson and dynamic gaming solutions this looks really cool and uh, I think it's something that uh, you know we'll progress with let's go ahead and now go on to Chaz's next interview
3: yes Bill we're here on our second interview of the day with Dima Reiterman managing director for Bitabed he's gonna tell us a little bit about the company and his history. Uh, Hi
5: everyone, thank you for having me, thank you for your time. Uh, so BetoBet is part of the Neogames group, for those of you who don't know it. We've been in the market uh, for almost 16, 17 years now, so quite veterans in comes to the iGaming space. And uh, as I'm sure some of our listeners are aware, recently have been acquired by Aristocrat, so that's something that's going on in the background. Uh, BetoBet is a sports betting company, we specialize in uh, online gaming, but we also offer uh, retail solutions. I think it's uh, exciting to mention we recently went live with our first North American client, that's Player Alberta in Canada. Really excited about that partnership, couldn't get a better one to get it off. We have a few more clients launching in the U.S., Can cannot drop any names yet, you'll hear about it in the coming weeks, but that's coming uh, probably early Q1 and a few other prospects in, uh, in the pipeline.
3: Nice, I've I, I got to ask you a question, I hope I get an answer and I hope it's the one I want to hear. Do you foresee your company utilizing cryptocurrency?
5: Probably not. Working in the U.S. regulated space with emphasis on regulated and being a public company, that's going to make it difficult.
3: Okay. Now, what do you see for the future of the company?
5: We see tremendous opportunities for growth. And again, especially with the backdrop of aristocrat coming in, we see the opportunities from the land, land-based land uh, operators that want to go online and are looking for a reliable sportsbook solution, which be Omnichannel. We definitely see a lot of potential over there.
3: All right, Well, I really appreciate your time, and you have a great time at G2E. We'll see you next year. Thank you very much.
1: Too cool. Always something exciting to see at the show every year. And you know, I think, uh, I, I don't know, we've, we've seen some cool stuff in the past, like the holograms and all that kind of stuff from last year, and now some of the things that we're seeing here, and just all good stuff to learn about. Let's go ahead and go on to our, our next interview. We'll go back to the floor here with Chaz.
3: Yes, Bill, we're here for our third interview, and it's a very great interview. I know it's going to be. We're here with Vitaly Malakhanov, head of event marketing with Sprite and I'm going to let us tell us about his phenomenal game.
6: Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, the company Scribe uh, is a young one, we appeared five years ago, we recently celebrated our birthday, but what we managed to do, as you may know, like for the rest of 30 years, the gambling market was mainly based on uh, betting, obviously, right, and slot games, because it was the, the main uh, type of games on the market, but four years ago, the new category of games appeared, which was the disruption for industry so-called crash games with very new mechanics with a new experience for users and uh, today we can boast uh Title of being number one push game in the world uh, because we have uh, 10 million mass active players playing our game globally. It's mainly Latin America, Africa, Europe, a bit of Asia. But what is more exciting for us, we started getting licenses in North America, like Ontario, United States licenses, and now we're happy to present our game to this part of the world. And we feel like privileged and excited to be here because it's such an enormous opportunity to present our game in this area.
3: Outstanding. I'm going to have to walk over and play the demo before I go. Please do. You should All right. do this. So where do you see the future of the company?
6: Uh, well, basically we are on a mission at the moment to enter every licensed market in the world. We just uh, Our latest acquisition along, uh, along with North America licenses in Portugal. We come into Portugal. Also, we already have uh, up to 40 licenses all around europe and other locations so our strategy cover all licensed uh, areas with our avatar game and of course we're extending our brand line with our other games like poker like turbo games and other games are upcoming so
3: follow the news that's great well we're glad to have you here and i hope you have a great g2e and we look forward to seeing you next year thank you for thank
6: that. you so much thank you so much have a good day as well
1: Jazz, thank you, and we look forward to your next set of interviews. Do you like pop culture and technology, and do you ever get out to trade shows or other things? Right now, User Friendly is open to accepting new contributors. If this is something you think you would like to do, or even something you'd like to explore, check out our website, userfriendly.show. There's a link right on the homepage there where you can sign up. We'd love to hear what you think, and the more people that can input and see what and tell us about everything they do, the better. It enhances our show and it's a lot of fun. Again, userfriendly.show. Let us know if you would be interested. Coming up in the next section of the show, we're going to be talking about hydrogen fuel and some different things that are going on with that and some exciting new developments in the field of green hydrogen. Check it out. Send us your questions and your comments, userfriendly.show. And again, if you're interested in becoming a contributor, please log on and sign up. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Got a great interview coming up here for you. Tony Pan with Modern Hydrogen. He's going to be talking all about an exciting new way to produce clean hydrogen and some things that I wouldn't have thought of doing. So let's jump to the interview.
0: Mosaic Arts Loft. Come discover the mosaic difference with art lessons in drawing, painting, and clay pottery making. Contact us for a free studio tour. And a buy four, get one free at mosaicsartsloft.com. We don't just make art, we build artists.
1: Joining us now, Tony Pan, who is involved in making hydrogen fuel a reality. Tony, welcome to the show.
7: Thanks for having me.
1: So we've got some questions we want to go through here first, but just to kind of put this in a little bit of context and I don't mean to throw this at you out of a lot of but can you give us just a real quick summary of what it is that you are doing and then we'll dive in.
7: Well, hello, everybody. I'm Tony. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Modern Hydrogen. What we do is produce clean hydrogen, and we do that by actually decarbonizing natural gas into clean hydrogen at the points of use. So okay, that's yeah. Oh, go, like, Tony, go think, ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you. I think basically, because uh, you, you told me earlier, uh, right before we officially started recording, right? Like your your audience likes a bit technical details. Very Absolutely. simply, played, right? Like natural gas, folks know that, you know, I think they're, everybody's aware of it because most people use it in their homes. It's a fuel, it's a fossil fuel, right? One of the biggest energy sources on the planet. I like to tell folks if you don't know the numbers, just think in the United States. We use as much natural gas as coal, plus nuclear, plus hydroelectricity, plus solar, plus wind. All of that together combined is approximately the same size as natural gas. So it's a wow. huge energy source. And, uh, but the issue, of course, is when you burn it to emit CO2. It turns out when you look at natural gas, like natural gas, like chemists will call it CH4, it's one carbon atom and four hydrogen atoms. So it's like 80% hydrogen. The only issue you have with it is like the remainder 20% as the carbon. If you burn it, it produces CO2. So we've developed a new technology to basically crack that molecule into its constituents atoms. So to break it apart into carbon and hydrogen, and then you just use the hydrogen as fuel and use the carbon actually as materials. You don't burn it so that if you do that, no CO2 is ever created.
0: Well, that's (laughs) completely
1: clean energy then. All right. So, uh, All right, so let's go ahead and dive into the details on it. How does on-site natural gas decarbonization process work? You talked about breaking down the molecules and its integration with asphalt carbon sequestering technology. See, I can see that. say that word. Um, Tell us a little bit more. Let's dive into some more of the details on that.
7: Yeah, so the technology itself, like the nerds would call this methane pyrolysis. Pyrolysis, it means heating something up to very high temperatures in the absence of oxygen. So it turns out when you take like a hydrocarbon atom uh, a hydrocarbon molecule like like na- natural gas like methane if you heat it up in a place without oxygen it cannot burn and so it just break apart into into its constituents uh, atoms and so that's really how our reactor works at the end of the day this is sort of a chemical reactor technology that converts one chemical into other chemicals so we're converting natural gas into clean hydrogen and solid carbon it literally looks like powder coming out Uh, if you've looked at chimney suits the carbon comes out in that kind of texture and so the cool thing is that traditionally right you would just burn the natural gas and burn everything and you release energy from it and you have a co2 footprint but actually the carbon is far more valuable as a material instead of as the energy source. If you're just burning it, it's almost like you're burning, burning hydrogen and coal. But if you actually use the carbon that comes out of a reactor as a material, you can do very useful things with it. For example, our company has developed a formulation of our carbon where we can put the carbon into asphalt. You know how roads are black? It's because roads have very high carbon content. And so we can now put our clean carbon that has been pulled out of natural gas uh, and achieve decarbonization, and then use it to essentially help people build roads. So we're actually locking the carbon into roads where it will be stable for thousands of years instead of releasing the carbon as CO2 into the atmosphere. So that's what we mean by carbon sequestration. We're actually using the carbon now from all these fossil fuels as a material uh, that you already need to build the human civilization instead of letting it go into the atmosphere.
1: So it seems like this is something that would really contribute to sustainable infrastructure.
7: Yeah, uh, it, it's funny, right? I think uh, I don't know whether I think there's some optimists and pessimists in like the climate change fight. Uh, I'm too engineering focused to be either. I'm a realist, and I think you need you need to remind folks, right? Like the clean energy transition is not so easy because, yeah. We now have cheap solar and wind, and that is an incredible contribution. But that doesn't mean we can stop worrying about climate change because electricity is only one third of total emissions. We're emitting CO2 in pretty much everything we do as human beings. And that involves things like agriculture, the food we'll eat, but also our built environment. So we, we use a lot of fuel and emit CO2 in making like the concrete and steel in our buildings we make it, uh, plastic is made from fossil fuels, and definitely even like the asphalt in our ground is extremely carbon intensive to make. And so when we can actually make our carbon clean, right, like our whole process does not emit CO2, we can actually use this carbon material to uh, offset and enhance the properties of materials in our built environment and reduce their CO2 footprints. So literally, like the roads made with our asphalt are cleaner. They have less CO2 footprint. And simultaneously, because we're providing clean hydrogen, we're also decarbonizing the energy. So we're actually decarbonizing things on both ends with our technology. So let's let's talk politics
1: on this for a little bit. You mentioned the climate change fight and all that kind of stuff. How do current policy frameworks support or hinder for the advancement and adoption of hydrogen for heat and heavy industry and fleet fueling? And if you could also talk about what policy changes, if any, you'd like to see.
7: So. I want to give a big shout out to policymakers, right? Like last two years have been very big for clean energy, especially for hydrogen. At the federal level, there's been like a smaller bill and a massive bill. The smaller bill is an infrastructure bill that started uh, supporting things called hydrogen hubs. Government spending billions of dollars to set up centers of hydrogen production and demand. Uh, and that'll be very useful very useful to support hydrogen being used in heavy industry. There's The big talk about hydrogen now is the observation that essentially there's a lot of processes in our economy that cannot be decarbonized with an electron. And that is particularly prevalent in heavy industry. Think manufacturing of goods, materials. Again, think molten vats of silicon, steel, copper, you name it. That that is very hard to decarbonize with electricity and you need hydrogen as a fuel. So the government supporting that, but the even bigger law that passed was the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, folks widely expect this to be effectively like a trillion dollar bill over a decade. And within it, it has a direct clean hygiene, uh tax credit it's called the 45V law. This is probably the most important and generous credit within the Inflation Reduction Act, which is essentially a climate bill. And this basically... The cleaner you get the hydrogen, the more the government helps uh, helps you with a tax credit. So that's a beautiful law. Now, what would still additionally be helpful going forward is if you think about what's happening, the government has supported the supply of hydrogen. It's incentivized folks like modern hydrogen to provide clean hydrogen. What would be useful going forward is to also uh, support folks to take the hydrogen. So right now, yeah, like if you have... A tax credit should basically make clean hydrogen cheaper. That, of course, will help people adopt it. But ultimately, hydrogen is about decarbonization. And right now, in several industries, there's no law that mandates folks to decarbonize. And so that is what would be useful going forward, right? And that's happened in certain things, but not in things like heavy industry yet, at least not at the federal level. I will say that several forward looking states like California, they've already started setting standards like clean vehicle standards, not just for passenger vehicles, but also for things like trucks and buses. And so that will drive adoption of clean hydrogen from the demand side. So those things are helpful as well.
1: No, I mean, this sounds great to have, have an alternative. So let's talk a positive side of this. In an ideal world, what do you think is the potential environmental impact of, of your technology and how big could this get?
7: Oh, this is... As big as it gets, it's like the next solar and wind, right? And I'm talking about turning natural gas into hydrogen generally. But I mean, so the numbers are you can produce enough hydrogen and decarbonize enough natural gas that potentially you can reduce 10 gigatons of CO2 per year. That's 20% of all man-made emissions. So this is roughly like 10 times larger than, let's say, decarbonizing planes. And... It's, it sounds awesome, but it's also a reflection of just how much natural gas we use in human civilization and how much of a problem that is in terms of emissions. So uh, that, that's sort of the promise, right? Like ultimately this basically turns natural, uh, natural gas clean and the sheer size of how much emissions reductions is a reflection of just how big the sector is. But even better, there's something even cooler. So like, reducing emissions by 10 times the level of the aviation sector is, is crazy, right? But you can actually go even further. And you do that by pairing that with biogas. And we actually have a project doing just that in, in Washington state. And so here's the thing. So we, the, uh, agriculture can produce a lot of biogas. Think basically uh, cows or farming, based, uh, right? Like you, you grow the grass, the grass is sucking CO2 from the atmosphere and producing food from it. And then as the cows eat the grass or as you, you know harvest the corn, you have some leftover stuff and you can produce biofuels with it, like biogas. So that biofuel, like biogas, is already carbon neutral. But then if you put the biogas into our technology, we'll split the biogas still into carbon and hydrogen, and then you put it part of the carbon in the ground. So you've taken a fuel that is already carbon neutral and then you pull the carbon out of that and puts it into the ground. So essentially, the whole process. Long story short, uh, sorry for the long preamble. I'm a nerd; I get excited. But the whole no sum worries, of what you fit right in here, here.
1: Don't even worry about
7: that. Yeah. <laughs> right, the whole sum of what you're doing here is effectively you've pulled CO two out of the atmosphere and put the carbon into the ground. You've essentially run the reverse of climate change. You are repairing the atmosphere. This is what is called intersector negative emissions, and this is one of the things I'm most excited about long term, the potential of this technology, not to just reduce all the emissions that we're, making, we're doing every year, but actually start repairing it uh, by uh, actually, again, right like reversing the centuries of emissions we've put up into the air and start locking that carbon back into the ground.
1: All right. So you mentioned biofuels in Washington state. So I'm going to ask you this question. Why are you based in the Pacific Northwest and what collaborations, if any uh, partnerships and so on, do you have with Portland and Seattle?
7: So we spun out of a deep tech incubator that was uh, supported by Bill Gates in Seattle. So that's actually how we ended up in Seattle. Uh, And yeah, and to this day, Bill Gates is one of our biggest investors. Uh so so that's that's the connection. Uh, otherwise it's sort of random. Uh, in fact, I like a lot of our talent. Since this this is like Seattle's sort of a software town. Uh we're fortunate that like, you know, we can get some engineers from Boeing, but otherwise it's a software town. Most of the talents we have to pull are like hardware, uh chemical people, mechanical people, electrical engineering people, and we have to relocate to a bunch of people to Seattle. But you know, is this what it is? Our company's in the greater Seattle area now. Uh, now, in terms of the Pacific Northwest, right? I told you about the biogas process project we're actually doing with the Tulalip Tribe, which is a, a Native American tribe uh, out here in like the outskirts of Seattle, and that we're really excited about that because that, again, repairs the atmosphere. But we're also uh, working in Portland as well. We have a partnership with Northwest Natural, which is a big utility in Oregon, and we're working with them to decarbonize uh, natural gas and help them produce clean hydrogen. In addition. Uh, we have a project going on in Florida uh That one is with next era, which is the largest they're probably the most premium utility in the united states they're the largest publicly traded utility in the u s and they're probably the biggest one of the biggest players in clean hydrogen so we're very excited that they chose us to work with them on this version of technology in addition, we actually have partnerships in uh in northeast united states as well with national grid they're an investor of ours there's also one of the biggest utilities in the world they're big in the us in new york and massachusetts we also have a collaboration now internationally in japan uh with a big company called mura there they they're actually responsible for like 2.5% of all of japan's emissions and they would like our help to decarbonize their uh their industrial boilers
1: Oh, my goodness. I just, you know, it gets me thinking about all this stuff. And we've talked about heavy industry and building roads and things. What kind of other technology do you think will eventually benefit from hydrogen fuel? Are we going to see some consumer facing stuff here like hydrogen cars? Am I going to be able to buy a hydrogen jetpack as a for example? Where do you see this going on that end?
7: So. S- folks are interested. Folks in the climate change game often called hydrogen the Swiss army knife of decarbonization because it can go to so many places. Essentially, think that if you can electrify your energy, you should just go ahead and electrify it with solar and wind. That's probably the most sensible thing to do. Don't Please don't use hydrogen, actually. But it just turns out there's so many other applications where you probably need to use some kind of fuel, not the electron directly. And hydrogen would be that holy grail fuel. That doesn't have a carbon atom in it. So when you burn it, it doesn't emit CO2. And so it can go many different places. But I will say to your comment, right? Like, in my personal opinion, hydrogen will mostly be for industrial and commercial and less like the, like, less used for like you and me in our, in our direct lives. Uh, with, oh, with love, love of, for love of Japanese cars and Toyota, I actually think, uh, like, if you think about like, transport on roads, you could, you'll right, like Toyota has their Toyota Mirai, right, they have a hydrogen passenger vehicle. But if you do the comparison with electric vehicle, hydrogen has a much bigger competitive advantage when you think about very long distance transport, things like trucks and buses. I actually think electric vehicles uh, will win in passenger cars. They'll be like the predominant solution instead of hydrogen. But so that's just one sector, right? You'll you'll have to use hydrogen in things like making materials like ammonia and even plastic if you want to decarbonize it. Uh, And fun fact, I love nerding out on this to just kind of scare people about how hard climate change is going to be. Today, we make ammonia from hydrogen derived from uh, from fossil fuels that has a huge CO2 footprint. And uh, ammonia is used to make fertilizer. So it makes our food. So essentially, we have nitrogen in our bodies coming directly from ammonia and half of that is synthetic. So half of the nitrogen in your body essentially came from a fossil fuel process. So we stop using fossil fuels today. Half of humanity has to die. Like literally, you you can't make enough food. That'd be a Um, bummer. And yeah. So you have to, so, but you can replace that (laughs) with a clean hydrogen process to create the ammonia. So we're going to need clean hydrogen for that. You can. You'll also use hydrogen in things like industrial processes, like industrial heat. Even, like if you think about even making a solar panel or a wind turbine, there's so many processes in there where you need a thousand Celsius heat just to make the material. You won't. You can't do that with solar and wind. You have to burn some kind of fuel. So hydrogen is that fuel. Uh, you also okay. need hydrogen to make things, probably like steel. And that actually, it's interesting. Like you need to basically. Uh, when you get iron, raw iron, it's not iron. It's like it's like iron ore, right? It has it's already oxidized. You need to use the hydrogen to pull the oxygen out of it to produce the pure iron that can be used to make steel. Uh, and uh, that process, you probably have to use today. People use actually carbon to uh, to suck the oxygen out and produce CO two So to decarbonize that, you probably have to switch to hydrogen. There's no alternative. And then. Uh, airlines, probably like batteries are way too heavy. So airlines, like maybe short haul flights, like 12-seaters, like 20-person seaters can go electric, electric batteries for like short distances. But for long, like intercontinental continental flight, it's either hydrogen or biofuels. You have no alternative. And then last but not least, right, like renewables are intermittent. So there's this issue of what happens when you just have like a week-long outage. That's too long for batteries to cover economically. So you probably need some peaking plants to provide the electricity. And basically the discussion right now is, okay, we're probably going to have like turbines running off hydrogen to produce that peaking power as well to complement renewables. So as you can hear, like it's kind of needed everywhere. It's not the solution for everything. I want to make that clear. There's many things uh, that you should directly use like solar and wind electricity for. But the economy is so huge that there's all these other applications where you probably have to use hydrogen.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like a mixed thing. So you basically would use your technology to produce clean hydrogen to manufacture the electric car and then electricity to run it. So it is definitely part of the process. It's just, you know, the first part. And actually emissions for manufacturing, stuff like that is something we've talked about, too. And it is a big part of it because there's a huge carbon footprint for an electric car. Not when you run it, but when you make it, you know. Oh, Yeah.
7: (laughs) <laughs> right. That's a very secret. Like all, all, our, all, all the materials and batteries are coming from China where 60 yeah. percent uh, of electricity grid is running on coal. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, so you're dealing with it. And I, I read a statistic somewhere that you really don't have an environmental benefit from an electric car until you hit about 30,000 miles, give or take on it. And then that's when it starts to kind of tip
7: but that's just yeah, that's the, right. uh, but you should, it's still good, right? Cause most cars are driven over 30,000 miles. So. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Right, but like it's I, just one I, yeah. of those things that, you know, and then you have to consider the electricity that you're charging it from. You have a process yeah. here that would make that clean too. And yeah. you know, so you're not like you say, burning coal or something else that pollutes to charge it. So I, I can see where this works in and just, just so many different ways. And I think that's amazing. One of the reasons I asked about the vehicles is because, one of our markets down in Reno, Nevada, they're switching mm. over to hydrogen fuel cell for the buses.
0: Yeah, So it seemed like that right. was
1: an interesting comparison.
7: Oh, yeah, exactly. And so one of the biggest issues they have with hydrogen buses is actually building the refueling stations. So the, the, the one big problem that with hydrogen is it's a very hard fuel to move around. It's very expensive. This is the lightest element in the universe. It's like the smallest atom. So it's very hard, it's not very economical to move around because it's so, it's like the opposite of dense, it's very diffuse. If you have like the same tank, like the same volume of a box holding like normal gasoline, right, like we use today, versus like the same tank to hold hydrogen, that tank of hydrogen would only have 10% of energy as gasoline, because it's not very dense. And so that's a very big problem, and it's a very big problem, right, how do you get hydrogen to the refueling station? If moving around is so hard and expensive, well, with our solution, since frankly, not there's three million miles of natural gas pipelines in the United States. Natural gas is everywhere. Essentially, we just say anywhere you have natural gas pipeline, which is most most like almost almost every zip code in the United States, you just turn that natural gas into clean hydrogen uh, with our box, and immediately there you have a hydrogen refueling station on site, and then you no longer need to build any infrastructure. Uh, to move the hydrogen around. And that's, uh, that's actually the most excited part I am about our business. Because ultimately, uh, I mean, like this makes me also kind of sad because the, the solution to move hydrogen around would be building hydrogen pipes. But it took us a century to build natural gas pipes. It took us a century to build an electricity grid. We will wait like two lifetimes before we have the same level of hydrogen infrastructure that... Uh, that will be needed to make hydrogen everywhere for all these applications. We can't wait that long. You already see like the temperature this year. Because our solution basically skips the need for new infrastructure, we can start reducing CO2 emissions a lot quicker. And it's that idea of urgency that you can start, again, skip the need to build new infrastructure, use what we have and start decarbonizing now. That's probably how what I'm most excited about in terms of our business. Yeah, like the scale. Yeah, sure. The scale is large, but I think time really matters in a climate change fight now. And so, I I think the time aspect uh, may be like the most important piece here.
1: Well, what you're saying is it completely eliminates the need to transport it at all, which is which is amazing. You can use something that's already there. So, all right, we're hitting the end of our time, Tony. How would somebody go and find more information about your project? Can you give us your websites and social media and stuff?
7: Yeah so we're on our website modernhydrogen.com uh and uh we are on uh I think social media mostly on LinkedIn but uh, especially if uh we're we're very excited this year to uh like we we've, we've been turning down orders for hydrogen because we can already not know, we can't even meet the demand for hydrogen we've turned down several orders this year but we're uh really trying to uh kick off our carbon business We've already signed our first like recurring carbon offtake agreements. We've like sequestered like carbon and 10 projects in like four states and also Canada, but we want to do more. So if your city or county wants carbon sequestered in a roads, please reach out to us. We'll send you a sample. You can email us at carbon at modernhydrogen.com directly.
1: Tony, thank you so much. And to our listeners, please send in your questions and Tony, what I'd love to do is have you back a little later on to answer because we're going to get a ton of questions about this today. It's just been some great information, and listen to you and your company. The best of luck going forward.
7: No, oh, thank you. Uh, we we definitely need it, right? We're so, and the whole sector needs it. We're uh, we're just one solution. Uh, like this 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 climate change thing is going to need like a hundred solutions.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But glad you're glad you're out there. Party. Thank you. This is User Friendly Two Point Zero. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly Two Point Zero is copyright 2023 User Friendly Media Group Inc. All rights reserved. Views expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User Friendly Media Group Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting and technology provided by We Are Listen at the AnswerPortland dot com, User Friendly Show or wherever you listen to podcasts.